Hello. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys at home as well. Well, I can't see you, but obviously you can see me. And um, I'm going to get straight in because years ago, um, I visited my grandparents in Canada. And uh, we walked into this tiny little art exhibition, like right in the middle of nowhere. It was so random, so small, and my expectations were basically zero. And, uh, but we walked in and instantly they were totally changed because in there, get this, was an original Monet painting. An original Monet painting. In fact, it's here, I stole it, and I've got it. Obviously, this is not it. It looks something a little bit like this. But as I walked in, all the other sort of pictures in the art gallery, they just weren't, I wasn't bothered by them. I was drawn into this one. And I started looking at it and I was like, wow, that's an amazing picture. I was captivated by it. And so I just wanted to, it was like I wanted to get closer to it. And so I started leaning in and I was leaning into the photo. And as I could see it to the picture, I could see all the colours. As I got closer, I could see like the intricate brush details. I could see how the picture was made up. And uh, I got so close that I thought... Well, at some point, um, you know, I'm going to hit the glass. The glass that's protecting, surely this original money painting needs protecting. Evidently not. So I just keep leaning in, and I'm leaning and leaning and leaning in, and I get so close that at some point, I think the sensors, my nose triggered them off. And so the alarms are going off, and these people suddenly from nowhere come running in. They're like, ma'am, ma'am, step away from that picture. And um, it was obviously hilarious. Grandma was mortified. But she was secretly loving it. She was loving it. And we left and clearly have never been back there ever since. But it was a great picture on first glance. But the closer I got, the more amazing it became. And that's a picture of what it's been like for me following Jesus. You see, when I first met him, I was captivated by him and drawn to him. But as I spent time with him over the last loads of years, reading this book, spending time with him, it's like the closer I've got, the more I've lent in, the more amazing he's become. And so today, let's take this picture. Cool, isn't it? Because on, on a first glance, you see Jesus but on a closer view, here's a sneak, sneak preview of it a little bit closer. Because the author and the Christian theologian, he says this, the ultimate goal of life, it's to fall in love with Jesus over and over again. Nothing's more central, nothing's more important, and nothing is more critical. So today what we're going to do is we're literally going to lean into this picture. We're going to be looking at Jesus from a number of different angles from John 21. And my prayer is that wherever you are, that as we do this, that each one of us, that we would love Jesus more at the end of this than we do now. So as we go, I'd love you guys to be asking the question, you know, what is it today? What is it today that Jesus is wanting to reveal about himself to you? Maybe for the first time, maybe because you've forgotten. So grab a Bible if you've got one, it'll come up on the screens. But this is the passage, John 21, it's an amazing passage where the resurrected Jesus, he meets with his disciples on the beach. So it's a few days after Jesus' crucifixion and Peter and some of the other um, disciples, they're back in Galilee and um, they've gone back fishing and they're having a nightmare. I mean, the last few weeks have been a total roller coaster, emotionally all over the place. Anybody know how that feels at the moment? I think we do. But, but to make it worse, they've gone back fishing, but they've actually been up all night and they've caught nothing. They have caught no fish. Can you imagine how annoying that would be? Frustrating and tired, probably freezing. Not even caught a goldfish. So it's in the morning. 
that Jesus, the risen, resurrected Jesus, he stands on the shore and he shouts, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him because he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples, they followed him in the boat, towing the full net of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And so as we begin to lean into this passage in, in John 21, as we begin to lean into who we see Jesus to be, we see instantly two things. They're totally obvious, but they're of infinite significance. Okay, the first thing is that Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh my goodness, it's like the best possible news. He, nothing's too big for Jesus. He's defeated death, dead for three days, risen again, fully alive. Fully alive that day with the disciples and fully alive today. And it changes everything because it means we can, we can know him. We can be in his presence. As we lean in, we also see that Jesus is Lord. You know, this is a pretty cool miracle, isn't it? Can you imagine it? There's like no fish and then there's so many, they literally can't haul all the fish in. And it's as that miracle happens that John says to Peter, it is the Lord. It's the Lord. Man, I, I love Peter's response because he's so impulsive. You know, his mates, they're, they're there. They're struggling to pull all the fish in, but Peter's like, I need to get to Jesus. And so he just gets his cloak out and he comes straight into the water and he's like wading through. He's so desperate to be in close proximity with Jesus. He's willing to do whatever it takes. Are we so desperate? Are we so desperate to get to Jesus that we'll do whatever it takes? Are we gonna run to him through our pain and through our frustration and through our disappointment? You know, my mate Chloe, um, she, she's one of my closest friends and she's modeled this to me for many years now. You know, when we were 21, her mum died of cancer. And you can imagine it was horrible. It was so horrible, so much pain, so disappointing. And in the midst of that season, I remember she, her saying, I realised I had a choice to throw away my faith or to cling to it when I needed it the most. And I have seen her, and in that moment, I saw her cling to her faith, worshipping through tears, reading this book when she didn't feel like it, stepping out, continuing to believe that Jesus is alive, that he's the Lord and he's good. I saw it in that moment, but I've seen it over and over again, through the ups, through the downs, through the disappointment. Let's be like Peter. Let's be like Chloe. Not, not running away from Jesus, but running towards him. Okay, we've got to get back to the story. Verse nine. Where are we? Here we go. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. I mean, I love this passage because, you know, Jesus, he does actually have stuff that he wants to talk to these guys about. But before he does that, he simply invites them to sit and eat with him because he was their friend. He was their friend. And as we lean into this passage, we see that Jesus is their friend. And it reminds me of the words that, that were written in, in John 15, where Jesus said this, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. 
You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. And um, I don't know about you, but I can't get over that. You know, if, if the queen was to ring me and she got my number and she was like, Susie, would you like to hang out? I'd love to be your acquaintance. I would be like, yes, please. And I would be there, I'd be going to meet the corgis with the cream tea and I'd work out a slightly better outfit. But if I was the queen's acquaintance, it'd be amazing. But with Jesus, it's like, it's, guys, it's like, it's, it's crazy because the Lord of the universe, King of kings, Lord of lords who's alive is our friend. He is our friend. And I don't want to ever get over that. Sometimes the most simple things, we have to start there and stay there. Jesus is a friend. He's alive. He's the Lord. And he'll never give up on you. He will never let you down. And there's some of you today who need to hear that. He's your friend. He'll never let you down. And if you're here today or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, there's an invitation today. There's an invitation for you. Okay, leaning in again. With this passage, we see that Jesus is a servant. And, um, you know, if I'd just risen from the dead, there would be nothing understated about it. I would be like, guess who's back? Like, I'm back. I've risen from the dead. Look at me. I'm amazing. Like, find me, I don't know, a pina colada or something. Get me a steak. Sit at my feet. I'll tell you how it all happened. (laughs) I don't know if any of you would be like that. But Jesus, he's just the absolute opposite. He's the super servant. And he's there and he's actually risen from the dead. He's cooked, he's found all the stuff to make the fire. He's then actually provided the miracle. He cooks the breakfast and then he serves it. He serves it. It's crazy, isn't it? Because Jesus, he, he, he just is able to, he, he's the, sorry, he's, he's like, he's the Lord. But he's also a servant. He comes to serve and he calls us to do the same. And, and John Bodley spoke last week so brilliantly on this, Jesus is our servant king. And uh, I'd love you to check his talk out if you haven't already. So let's jump back into the story. And this, spoiler alert, this is like my favorite bit. Uh, chapter, verse 15, we are here. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And um, this is the most beautiful exchange, isn't it? But it was probably a little bit uncomfortable for Peter because there was a backstory. Because Peter was, he was the guy who had like promised complete faithfulness to Jesus. He even said before his crucifixion, I will lay down my life for you. But Jesus, you know, he instead, he knew that Peter would end up denying Jesus three times, and cutting a really long story short, you can read about it in John 18. Peter ended up denying Jesus three times by a fire in this courtyard. And so if we fast forward 
To this scene, there's another fire. I love the symmetry between those two moments. And he poignantly, Jesus then brings up the moment. You know, Jesus is, he brings up that moment that must have been ringing in Peter's ears over the last few weeks. Peter's probably like, oh no. Those three moments of denial. And Peter, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Not once, not twice, but three times. Because Jesus, of course, he's, he's drawing Peter back to himself, back to what really matters, relationship with him. Because the Jesus that we see as we, as we lean into John 21 is a Jesus who is a restorer and is so unbelievably compassionate. I don't know if you've ever noticed just how kind Jesus is here. And if that had been me, I might have used it as an opportunity to say, uh, what happened to you? Like, where were you, my friend, when I needed you the most? But Jesus isn't like that. He doesn't give him the cold shoulder or reprimand him. He just gives Peter another opportunity to set the record straight. He restores him, and he's so compassionate. And uh, I know I've mentioned this before, but back in January 2020, um, Debbie and Nick and I, we visited Israel. And uh, on the last morning, we visited this beach, and um, this is the beach, right, where they reckon this conversation happened between Peter and Jesus. And so, obviously, it was amazing to be there. We weren't there very long, and uh, we, we just read some of the verses that we've read together this morning. And um, then we had a few moments just alone together, just looking out over the shore. And uh, as I say, it wasn't very long, but I had a moment with the Lord which just will stick with me forever, because I was right on the end of my sabbatical, and... Um, I was stood there sort of looking out over the shore and I started to thank God. I was like, God, I'm so thankful for this time. So thankful for my family and my friends. So thankful that I get to do a job that I love and feel called to do. And um, I started to think about work and it wasn't a case of thinking, oh no, I've got to go back. I was like excited. You see, we were coming into a season where we were um, hoping to, to welcome thousands of young people to our youth camp DTI alongside all the stuff that was going on here. And it was like there was sort of an excitement and a fire inside of me. And I felt probably a little bit overwhelmed, but also like I was ready to go, ready to go. And as I stood on that beach, I felt like Jesus drew me back to the main thing again. And I felt him just almost like whisper in my ear, Susie, do you love me? Do you love me and will you love me more than all of those things. And Jesus was so restorative and compassionate and kind in that moment, because if I'm honest, in, in the months leading up to that sabbatical, there had definitely been moments where I was more in love with the vision of something than a vision of Jesus himself. I got distracted by activity. And, and, and it was literally in that moment, literally like a marker in the sand because I was on the beach. And I found myself saying to Jesus, whatever it costs, Whatever it looks like, it has to be you first. It cannot be any of that stuff. I have to be more in love with you than of any of those things. And it was a moment that it, it, it still brings like a certain emotion with it because it was so significant for me. And uh, of course, standing on that beach, I had no idea what the next 13 months were gonna look like. If you said that to me now, I'd be like, you are joking. You know, it's been hard. And even this morning, I've spoken to some of you. It's been so hard. It's been frustrating. You know, having to cancel DTI last summer at Stafford, it was disappointing beyond words. 
To find ourselves back there again in December, January, thinking we're gonna have to cancel it again at Stafford for this summer. It was horrible. Hopefully we found a solution. We're gonna host it here. We're really hoping and praying that the restrictions ease as they do. But so many of the things that I love this year have been stripped away. You know, at times, the, the isolation has felt imprisoning. There's been times where work has felt frustrating and disappointing and disillusioning. But the question from Jesus that has been ringing in my ears, even on the hardest of days, and to be honest, even this week, is this, do you love me? Do you love me first? And honestly, after a 13 months like we've had, the answer is yes, now more than ever, because where else can I go? Where else would we go but to him? Because he's the one who, he's the only one when I'm scrolling through the news and I see what's happening at the moment in India, he's the only one who can bring hope and perspective. He's the only one who is actually a firm foundation. Jesus, I love him more than ever. Jesus restores us to himself. And I believe that he's asking that question to every single one of us today. Even and especially when we feel like we've let him down. Do you love me? Because he wants to bring you back, us back, to where our journey with Jesus starts and where it ends, love and relationship. And I thought about ending this here, but I couldn't because the passage doesn't end like that. And Jesus doesn't just restore Peter. He empowers him. He gives him a purpose. And as we lean in this final time, you just see a Jesus who constantly empowers people. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, you'll see Peter. It's crazy what God does through him. Jesus, the good shepherd, he commands Peter to take care of his sheep. And that's a commission that will actually end up costing Peter everything, you know, even his life. Peter's transformed from this fisherman into a shepherd. And the Peter that Jesus knew in John 21, he knew that Jesus was alive, he was the Lord, a friend, a servant, a restorer, compassionate, and so empowering. And so as we come into land, you know, the Jesus that I see in John 21 is just stunning. He's stunning. Just one passage of scripture, but we see Jesus from so many different angles. And going back to that art gallery, you know, that Monet painting, it became amazing. The closer I got to it, the more amazing it got. And it's like that with Jesus. The more time we spend with him, the more we see of him, the more amazing he becomes, the more that I love him. But there's a big difference between the two. Because when it comes to Jesus, like this Rope, it, it's not there because there's no, there's no proximity issues. There's no alarms going off. There's no sirens going off. Jesus invites us. He invites a closeness with us. We don't have to worry about how close is too close. Jesus is drawing us in. He's drawing us in. Because every moment of every day, there's an invitation from Jesus and he simply takes us back to that place where it all started and he says, follow me. After seeing Jesus in all these ways, Peter's role, our role, was simply to take up that invitation. Chapter, verse 19, then he said to him, follow me. Follow me, that's what we're called to do. 